Welcome to Fast Talk, the Velo News podcast and everything you need to know to ride like a pro. What are the dangers of just always only riding the bike? And I've met plenty of cyclists, so that's, that's all they do. They don't want to do anything else. You know, as they age, I can pick them out of a crowd. Their posture, you know, the the skeletal um, postural changes as we age from only riding the bike. The the literature is very clear about osteoporotic changes um, in um, in cyclists of all ages. So I think to get off the bike and stimulate our skeleton, build muscle tendon strength is, is, is crucial. Hello and welcome to Fast Talk. I'm Kaylee Fretz, senior editor here at Bella News, sitting across the table from Trevor Connor, our longtime training columnist and my co-host. Today we'll talk about weightlifting, why you need it, when you don't, and how to do it right. We'll chat with Swain Tuft, a pro with Orca Green Edge who likes taking barefoot walks in the woods before stages of the Giro d'Italia, and Andrew Pruitt, a slightly more serious man behind the specialized BG Fit system and one of the leading minds in cycling physiology and bike fit. Let's make you faster. Hello, girly man. It is time to talk about the weight room. Welcome to Fast Talk, the Velo News Performance Podcast. So, uh, ridiculous fake Schwarzenegger accents aside, this is a legitimate question for a lot of cyclists these days because, you know, it's it's an aerobic sport and, and strength is not necessarily... Uh, the most important thing, right? I mean, it's, 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 we're not track sprinters. Uh, most of us aren't track sprinters. Uh, even sprinters, strength is not generally sort of the limiter. Coach Trevor, should I be lifting weights? So there's a question that's actually gone, done kind of an about face in the literature. It, you, they used to really say, no, there's no benefits to doing weights. It doesn't help endurance sports. So why are you doing this? Uh, in the last few years, there's been a change and a lot of new research is coming out now that's showing that actually getting in the weight room really does help cycling. So uh, I just looked at one last night in particular that came out of Norway. It was done in 2015 by a very well-respected researcher, Ronstad, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. And he took nine elite cyclists, put some of them through, or uh, he put them through 10 weeks of, uh, of strength training um, and then 15 weeks of a maintenance period. And what he found was huge improvements in their performance compared to a group that just did endurance training. So they saw uh, an increase in their peak aerobic power. They saw an increase in their threshold power and an improvement in their 40-minute time trial, where the group that just did endurance training really saw no improvements. So what they found in the study might explain some of why research in the past didn't find any improvements because it was looking at tip, old research tended to look at typical biomarkers like improvements in VO2 max. And in this study, they didn't find that as well. So I'm trying to just make sure I'm keeping up here. They weren't finding improvements with weightlifting. We're talking about with weightlifting. Old right. studies? So the old studies, they would, have, they would put cyclists through weightlifting and you would see no improvement in VO2 max. So they said, okay, well, why should you be doing weightlifting? It doesn't seem to aid um, performance. So this study has shown that, yes, it really has aided performance, and likewise, no improvement in VO2 max, but where they saw the improvements were actually in biomechanical factors. It actually had an effect on the pedal stroke. 
that improved efficiency and economy while cycling. And those were things that they didn't use to measure in some of the older studies. So it's, it's like strength and core work and stuff like that? What, what are we seeing here? So... Sorry to derail you. <laughs> no, that's fine. So no, it's a good question. I don't want to get too technical, but they actually looked at the pedal stroke of these athletes. And what you saw was an earlier peak torque in their pedal stroke. And that correlated with some improvements in efficiency. Another really important thing with this study, a lot of the older studies looked more at cyclists using lighter weight because they were concerned about putting on muscle mass. Uh, This study actually used very heavy strength training, so they lifted quite heavy weights. So that's another reason why some of the more current research might be showing improvements where the older research wasn't. Okay, but uh, in cycling, you want to be as light as possible, correct? I mean, that's sort of a, 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 I think everyone sort of agrees on that one. If I'm lifting big heavy weights, if I'm you know doing squats with with big weight, am I going to put on muscle mass? And is that muscle mass going to slow me down? So yeah, that's one of the concerns. And a lot of cyclists really avoid the weight room because they're concerned about putting on muscle mass. But that's also getting addressed in the research. And there was a, a very interesting review written by Professor Izarin, who's another top researcher in the field, that was put out in 2013, where he looked at the effects of concurrent weightlifting with endurance work in your body. But they do work through different pathways. And I don't want to get too much into this unless you want to hear me start talking about things like adenosine monophosphate activated protein kinase. I don't really want to listen to you and talk about I think about I just things. got through that without stuttering. But basically, so I'll just, you can look these up if you, if you really want to geek out. But weightlifting works through a pathway the, what's called the AK, excuse me, AKT pathway, where endurance sports tends to work through the AMPK pathway. What's really important here is the pathway that, that endurance sports hit actually basically shut off the pathway used by weight training, which is a, a somewhat fancy way of saying that if you do a lot of concurrent endurance work and strength work, you're actually not going to put on a lot of muscle mass because that endurance work shuts down the strength training or or shuts down the the hypertrophy effects of strength training. Um, So if you're actually a strength athlete and you need to put on muscle mass, their belief that doing endurance work is actually going to hurt them is is true. That's being shown in the research. So essentially, uh, you shouldn't really worry about getting swole so to speak, <laughs> in the weight room because the the other activity that you're doing, the endurance activity that you're doing, is shutting down the the massive weight gain. Is that basically what I'm... Well, Kayla, you always want to be swole. <laughs> I am swole. I'm permanently swole. But, but yes, for, okay. for us endurance athletes, if you go into the weight room, no, you're not ever going to come out looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which is deeply, spending a lot of time on your bike. deeply disappointing to me, but I'll get well, past it. Well, it might affect our ability to get dates, but it's not going to affect your ability to get up that climb. Uh, so if I'm not putting on muscle mass because my body is essentially shutting that th- those systems down during endurance training, what am I getting out of it? I mean, am I still getting stronger if I'm not getting more muscles? So there's really three ways that they're showing weightlifting is helping Uh, endurance sports can really help you on the bike. The first one I've already touched on, which is improving your pedal stroke. It really hits the neuromuscular side. 
whenever you do a pedal stroke, you're recruiting dozens of muscles in your leg that all have to fire in sync. The more in sync they can fire, really the less energy you have to to produce internally to produce the power in the bike. Weight training has been shown in the recent research to really improve that pedal stroke, make it more efficient. The second reason gets a little more complicated, so bear with me on this one. When you are putting out power on the bike, you have to recruit muscle fibers in order to put out that power, but you don't recruit all of your muscle fibers. So the more power you put out, the more fibers you recruit. You start by recruiting your slow twitch muscle fibers and those are the ones we really rely on in endurance sports those are the ones that don't fatigue but they're not that strong as you start putting out more and more power you have to start recruiting fast twitch muscle fibers they're much stronger but they fatigue really quickly so you want to use them sparingly in a race you certainly don't want to blow out your fast twitch fibers before you get to the end of the race where you really need them to win the race What they've shown with weight training is you strengthen those slow twitch muscle fibers. So what this means is when you are putting out a given wattage, so let's say you're riding at 180 watts, instead of recruiting 80-90% of your slow twitch muscle fibers, for example, now you're only going to recruit 60 or 70%. Plus, since your body's not using or that particular muscle isn't using all those fibers, it can cycle through them. What this means is, A, you get to spare your fast twitch muscle fibers, and B, you're using fewer fibers to produce the same amount of work, and so you're going to last longer. You're going to allow more muscle fibers to be resting when you're actually putting out a, a high wattage. What this translates to is, over the course of the race, you, you build a fatigue resistance. You can handle the higher work more. You get to the end of the race, you've been recruiting fast switch muscle fibers less, and you're going to have those for the end of the race to win the sprint. Versus somebody who has weaker muscle fibers, they're going to have to be recruiting not only their slow twitch, but their fast twitch muscle fibers throughout the race. And by the time they get to the end, even if they had a good sprint when they're rested, they're not going to have anything left at the end of the race. The the, the last reason, and, and don't undervalue this one at all, is getting into bone mineral density. And there was a recent study, or somewhat recent, in 2008 um, at the University of Colorado studying 14 competitive cyclists here, where they showed over the course of the, the year, these competitive cyclists lost a lot of bone mineral density. Because cycling is a non-impact sport, um, so it doesn't promote bone growth. FYI, and, crashing does not count. Crashing certainly doesn't help either. In this study, they had these cyclists do some weight training in the off-season, and they were able to bring back some of that bone mineral density. Not all of it, but some of it. But they were losing at a rate of about 1% to 2% of their bone mineral density per per year. And if you do that over a 20-year cycling career, you're actually looking at serious osteoporotic issues. Okay, so strength training is going to improve my pedal stroke, my bone density, which is important for fending off osteoporosis, uh, and also improve my, was it the fatigue strength of my slow twitch fibers or something like that? Correct. We asked Dr. Andy Pruitt what he felt about cyclists who just ride the bike and don't get in the weight room and don't do any sort of weight-bearing activity. What are the dangers of just always only riding the bike? And I've met plenty of cyclists, so that's, that's all they do. They don't want to do anything else. You know, as they age, I can pick them out of a crowd. Their posture, you know, the, the skeletal um, postural changes as we age and only riding the bike, 
the, the literature is very clear about osteoporotic changes um, in um, in cyclists of all ages. So I think to get off the bike and stimulate our skeleton, build muscle tendon strength is, is, is crucial. Um, the posture of the bike is, is not a healthy posture, right? It, it does not encourage us to stand up straight. Um, right. Yeah, no, the kyphosis that we develop as cyclists. Now, does everybody need to do two hours a day? No, of course not. If they get 15 minutes a day of a combination of balance and strength and, and especially strength in the muscles that we need to support ourselves appropriately on the bike, low back, core, glutes. If they would do low back, core, and glutes throughout the season, they could be far better cycles and less injured. Okay, but I have a question that is perhaps more uh, philosophical than physiological in nature, uh, although I'm sure you will try to answer it with your usual physiological angle. So when I was essentially a full-time bike racer, I, the, the difficult thing for me was always, you know, I have a certain amount of energy, right? I can use that energy to train really hard, or I can use that some of that energy to train really hard and some of it to hit the weight room. And I always felt like... I got more out of just taking that, you know, the extra four hours a week that I might have spent weight training and spend those on the bike instead. Also, whenever I, whenever I hit the weight room, and even if I did it for a while, I was always relative, I was kind of sore afterward. And, you know, I just didn't feel great on the bike, even for a day or two after, which would hinder those days of training. So I always felt like I was missing out on good training days if I went in the gym. And so I ended up avoiding the gym a lot. This is particularly important in the winter months, which is essentially when I was looking at doing it, sort of, you know, preseason base miles, kind of, okay, I'm going to try to ride 25 hours this week. If I spend time in the gym, maybe I can only ride 15. How do you do that? How do you balance that? And, and were my concerns valid in the first place? Yeah, I'm going to blind you with science, girly man, but I can't do accents. <laughs> that was relatively terrible. <laughs> that was we'll give that, we'll get, that's like a, we give a four and a half out of 10. Look, one. I'm Canadian. I can't even do a Canadian accent, so I can't. I'm not. I shouldn't even try any others. Oh, I can do Canadian, eh? Yeah. Oh, that's better <laughs> than me. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. So with the change in the science, you're also actually seeing a change in the pros. And I've now interviewed several pros who have started doing weight training all year round, including during the race season. And let's take a quick pause here. One of those athletes I interviewed was was a fellow Canadian, Swain Tuff who's done how many Grand Tours now? He's been second. He's done many, many Grand Tours. And we recently found out every morning before every stage, he takes off his shoes and wanders into the woods and does yoga for like an hour. The other thing he does... It's my all favorite thing about him. <laughs> Another thing he does all through the years, he's in the weight room. So let's hear from Swain. And then there's, there's the physical aspect that I think we lose so much of uh, kind of range of motion and just general strength through just doing such a symmetrical, like, you know, it's just like you're on a, on a track and you don't have any, like, other function than just, you know, the, the thing that you've perfected the most, which is your pedal stroke. And I think, like, that's necessary to be, you know, one of the whatever you're trying to achieve in cycling, but at the same time, you know, you do that over a long, long uh, career, 
and you essentially become useless. You lose your posture and, you know, your bone density drops and there's a whole <laughs> list of things, you know, when you're young, you don't think about or care about, you know, when you're 20 years old and you, you just, you think that'll never happen. But, uh, yeah, as you age, you start to realize how much these change affect you, but it's also, it's just preventing injuries, you know, if you're strong and robust, you have a nice long consistent season, right? And uh, that's, that's the big difference. That's all. Do you continue any of it through the season or at that point are you racing and training so hard on the bike? It's just not a possibility. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's to just keep touching up on it throughout the season. Uh, just, just so the muscles stay somewhat, uh, in tone for, for, for that kind of exercise as well, because then you you I think it's also crucial throughout the season to do load bearing stuff. Yeah. So, um, basically, um, I think it's, it's really good to keep up weightlifting and walking and all these things during the season. Um, just so you don't have such a big gap in, in, uh, in kind of keeping your posture aligned and and your bone density up too, especially as you as you get older, you know, because all those things start to uh, degrade much quicker. And and cycling's probably like just cycling's probably one of the worst things you can do if, in that case. So your question is, you have the limited time. You you only have so much energy. Why would you be lifting? Um, trying to balance lifting and cycling, especially when you get into the season. And there's actually some good counter-arguments. And again, this was something that Izaron addressed in his review where he talked about burnout and overload. What you're always trying to do, going back to the principles of training, is produce an overload. You're trying to stress your body with more than what it can handle and then let it recover so it can rebuild and rebuild stronger. What they show is as you get fitter and fitter, if you try to overload with nothing but cycling, you end up just pushing yourself into burnout. Where if you actually, instead of just increasing the cycling, add in the weight training, add in some other work, you get that overload with less risk of burnout and you can actually see greater improvement. So that's one of the things they showed. There was also another study, and I couldn't find this one, but I read this several years ago, where they really looked at what's called the the law of diminishing returns, where it's basically each additional hour on the bike becomes less and less beneficial. So if you're only training six hours a week, doing seven hours is going to make a difference. But if you're training 12, 13, or like a pro, 20-plus hours per week, each additional hour on the bike, you're not going to notice it. But an hour in the weight room, you are going to notice that difference. So the conclusion of that study is if you're training six hours or less per week, forget the weight room. But... Once you start getting over six, especially once you start getting over 10, you're actually better off cutting an hour of cycling and going in the weight room and getting that bigger training stimulus. So another bit of evidence for continuing weight training through the year, again, same researcher, Ronstadt, did a a recent study where he had cyclists do 25 weeks of weight training and then stop lifting for eight weeks during the season and looked at the effects on, on the various performance markers. What they saw was a drop in their maximal power, a drop in the 30-second Wingate uh, test. So really that top-end strength, what you need to win the race, declined very rapidly just in eight weeks. Giving evidence, if you want to have that good top-end form, you might want to consider keeping up the weight training throughout the season. 
So there you have it. It sounds like weight room training throughout the year could actually be a good thing. Uh, and definitely over the winter when you certainly need to build yourself up against injury and again, osteoporosis and things like that. We're not going to go into a lot of depth on what exactly you should be doing in the weight room uh, on this episode. We're going to talk about that sometime later, but we do have tips here from Andy Pruitt on what you should be doing in the weight room. So I like the weight room. I think it can be very planned, uh, but it needs to include some balance and proprioception and some lateral movements that we don't do on the bike. You've got to use some balanced discs, a BOSU ball, um, you got to do something to stimulate our proprioception and balance. Um, you yes. know, we think as cyclists we have great balance, but truly, you know, the centrifugal force of the wheels and the gyroscopic effect <laughs> that is, is doing way more for us than than our great bike handling skills. <laughs> so, but if we can improve our balance and proprioception, that only makes us better bike handlers. I really believe that. So going back to the making sure your musculoskeletal system is ready for the training, what are things that they can do? The weight room is a great place to build tendon, quad tendon, Achilles tendon, you know, durability. Um, I'm a, when I, if you were to ask the, the, the junior team that I managed and coached a few years ago, uh, one of the things I would have them do for at least three months in the winter is that they would do um, leg press with their body weight plus 20, which was basically, you know, them plus their bike, and they would do it for timed bouts. In other words, you know, we'd do a minute of these repetitions, and then we'd do two minutes, and then we'd do three minutes. Um, and it's And it's like... <laughs> It's kind of like climbing, you know what I mean? You 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 can't do leg press at 90 RPMs, um, but what you're doing is you're you're torturing or training those particular tendons to build girth and strength uh, without a heavy load. The, the bike racer who goes to the gym and you know squats, you know 600 pounds and and does leg extensions with uh, you know 150 pounds. Yes, they have beautiful quads, but they're going to have tendon issues because their tendons aren't strong enough to to do that work. Whereas if they spent the time in the weight room doing some really um, uh, endurance strengthening work, I know that that sounds like a um, a contradiction in terms, but it's really not for the cyclist. You've got to have endurance and strength simultaneously. Now, I really like the leg. Pr- I don't I don't like to do it in a squat rack because then. They might get dizzy. We don't. We have to. We don't have to worry of falling down if we do this on a leg press machine or a, or a hip sled. I really like the hip sled. I like the hip sled a lot for cyclists. Um, but it's body weight plus twenty, and they're endurance um, bouts, and they could be up to you know hundred repetitions um, over a minute or two. It, 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 it the the quads are on fire, um, and it, the kids would. You know, they hated them, but they loved them because they knew at that last pitchy climb or that uh, that finish or that, that mountain bike section, you know, where all of a sudden they, they go, oh, I've felt this before, and, they're, right. and, their, tendon, and their tendons hold up to it. So, uh, And masters and women, 
you know, they the master cyclist that only rides his bike and only Nordic skis, especially when I'm in my Colorado. I really worry about their skeletal health. So getting them into the gym where we're putting some stresses on the muscular tendinous and skeletal systems that will help build and maintain bone density is pretty crucial. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, although they're very dangerous and injury prone, I love box jumps and plyometrics. So, but I think you've got to do, you can't just get off the bike and say, okay, I'm starting my box jumps today. Right? I mean, you've got to build up to that. So you either build up to it in the height of the box or you can build up to it with the leg press and the hip sled kind of stuff uh, before you start that stuff. Love hearing you say that. I've been uh, running a kind of endurance strength and plyometrics program for my athletes for, for six, seven years. Last year was the first year I didn't do it. First year I had uh, issues with my athletes getting injured. <laughs> yep. For a master's athlete, is, um, I mean, what do you think is the timing for this? Should they be getting out of the weight room or, or stop doing this sort of work once the winter comes around? Or, or do you no, think no, no, I would do it. Can... No, I would do that through the winter. Absolutely. So, okay, here's, 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 this is the key point for me. If you, if you look at a day when you're going to ride and do some kind of off-bike training, the one that has priority, you do first, and you do the other one second. So you're in a fatigued state, so you're not going to get quite the quality. In the fall and winter, I would have you do your off-bike training first so that you've got your, your, your really good muscular quality and you, and you ride second. You know, so the guy would say, well, I, I don't like to lift because it, I don't feel as good on my bike. Right, it's November, December. Who cares? You should lift first and you get on your bike and lamp home. I mean, that's... Um, so whatever is important for that particular time frame and your periodization is done first. Remember your mother told you to do things you don't like first and, and do things you like later? The same thing. And so, you know, lift first, do your plyometrics, do that stuff first, and then uh, put some endurance work or aerobic work on top of it. And then as you get closer to the season, you kind of start begin to flip-flop that over as the bike training takes, takes priority over the, over the off-bike training. Yeah, that's been fast talk. The very news performance. Trevor, you're fired. Trevor, you're fired. Oh, you won't <laughs> let me do it more. No more. Uh, no more weird Canadian Schwarzenegger. That has been fast talk. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.